Welcome to Chemo Chair Prayers. I'm your host, Nikki Hardy, and this is episode 16. Chemo Chair Prayers is a podcast for anyone who's heard the words, it's cancer. Having lost both my mum and sister to cancer, I was diagnosed. And despite being determined to survive, it wasn't all that long until surviving was all I was doing, living a life I'd neither planned nor signed up for. Over time, I discovered that with God, life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full. And I learned how to thrive, not just survive, right in the midst of my cancer. If you're struggling to keep fear and worry at bay, to trust God no matter what, or simply need a little faith boost and to feel God's arms around you so you can journey on with strength, peace, trust, and yes, even joy, you're in the right place. And I'm really glad you are tuning into this interview because you are going to get so much out of this because we all know that a cancer diagnosis, whether it's for us or someone we love dearly, sideswipes us and we end up barely surviving a life that we didn't plan or sign up for and we're exhausted and we're overwhelmed and we get this kind of bone tired. And so I am so excited to have Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith with me today who we're going to dive into this topic of rest, the different types of tired we get, the different types of rest that we need for different circumstances, different situations, and how we can get out of that survival and exhaustion mode. But before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Sandra, because she has so much to her name that I know you're going to want to know more about her and learn from her. So she is a board certified internal physician. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's an international wellness expert. You might have seen her on MSNBC, Women's Day, uh, Fox, Psychology Today. She's even been on the Dr. Oz show. I mean, Dr. Sandra has so many credentials to her name, but one of the many books that she has written is called Recover Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And it includes groundbreaking insights on the seven types of rest that we all need. And I'm so excited to have Dr. Sandra with us today because she's in person going to tell us what those are and um, how we can counter them, especially when we're going through a diagnosis. So Dr. Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Nikki. It's so good to have you here. And for anyone going through cancer, I should say at the outset that you are an internal physician. And although you haven't dealt with cancer personally, you've sat on the other side of the desk and given the diagnosis and walked with people through it. So it's wonderful to have that perspective on our journeys. But when cancer sideswipes us and we're left tired from treatments and all sorts of things, we assume, or I did anyway, until um, we got to know each other and I, I learned about your groundbreaking work, that I was just tired. I just needed a good sleep and then I'd be refreshed. But what you're saying, it's a lot more complicated but that makes it easier to solve. So can you take (laughs) us through these different types of tired or weary or exhausted that we get? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you put that because that's exactly right. I think a lot of times we, uh, we think that we just need more sleep and yeah. sleep is important and getting good high quality sleep when you're going through anything stressful definitely does help the process. But as you know, a lot of people struggle with sleep because their body's too tired, their mind's still racing, they're still processing emotions when they try to go to sleep at night. And that's really where rest comes into play because sleep and rest are not the same thing. They're actually two completely different things when we look at them. And so when we're looking at the two different components, rest actually helps us get higher quality sleep. So we have to understand kind of the micro complex of rest to be able to end up getting some higher quality sleep. And so of those seven types of rest, one of them is physical rest, which sleep kind of is in that category. It's a type of passive physical rest. And then with physical rest, we also have the active component, as well as the six other types of rest, which include the mental, the spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. So, you know, if you're looking at it, if we're just kind of thinking about sleep and rest as the same thing, then we're really only looking at one of the six types of rest and even only half of that type of rest. So you can imagine if all of your buckets of I'm tired are lumped over into let me get eight hours, it's very easy to see why somebody can sleep those eight hours and then wake up still feeling exhausted. That is such a great insight because the way you said it, there are these seven types of rest and we might be focusing on one half of one of them. So a 14th of the potential rest that we could be getting. And and I think, you know, for, for those who are going through cancer or walking with someone going through cancer, we might not be able to identify what kind of tired we are. And I know that, you know, if I've done something physically exhausting, then I can, my muscles are heavy and full of lactic acid and, you know, after a big workout or something, but that's not often (laughs) what's happening when you're mid-treatment. So can you help us identify them? How do we know? And I know, I know you have a brilliant quiz that can help everybody kind of figure out their own personal one. So you can tell, do tell people about that because that's super helpful. But help us wrap our minds around how, how do I know? Am I socially tired, emotionally tired? They sound quite similar. Uh, help us through that. Well, you're right. It does require a bit of kind of evaluation of each of the type of rest and then what are some of the symptoms of each type. So for example, you know, physical is a lot easier for us to identify specifically because you know if you've done a lot of physical exertion. But what I often tell people is think about what area of your life is getting stressed the most. What is the area of your life that is getting pulled on the most in this moment? And so oftentimes with a cancer diagnosis, yes, you may not be actively working or doing a lot of the physical things that you've done in the past, but your body is still having to do a lot of processing. Chemo is stress to the body. And so there is a physical stress that's happening that you need to be aware of. The sitting in a chair for the treatments in themselves can have some stressors on just how your neck and your leg muscles feel, depending on if that chair is comfortable and ergonomically in a way that actually makes your body still feel good after four hours of sitting there. Um, On top of that, then you have to look at the other types of rest. One of them is sensory rest. Many people, you know, who are doing any type of cancer treatment don't really think about the sensory inputs that they're experiencing. You're doing radiation. 
you go into the radiation lab, there's lots of sounds, there's lots of smells, mm. there's lots of bright lights. There's a lot of sensory input that goes in getting radiation treatment. And so you know that your body is receiving the radiation, but what are your other senses experiencing? So a lot of people will say they leave those treatments feeling exhausted. It's like I just you know sat there <laughs> or laid there and I feel exhausted. But a lot of times that's just the excessive sensory input that their body has consumed. And so sensory wise, how do you undo excessive sensory input? You find sensory rest, which is the opposite of that. What are ways to downgrade the sensory input? Turning off the radio on the drive home from the chemotherapy, not having extra noise compounding the situation, getting home and maybe laying in bed in a dark room just to allow yourself to kind of calm your senses down from all the bright light sounds and everything that you've been experiencing. Same with some of the other types of rest. You mentioned emotional and social, and both of them deal with people. So they are, they're similar, yeah. but you know, emotional rest has to do with you kind of expressing yourself and feeling the liberty to just be very authentic and real and open and vulnerable about what you're experiencing. Social rest is the rest you experience when you allow yourself to be around life-giving people. It's kind of the energy of being with others. And so in a cancer diagnosis, part of that energy of being with others who you feel accepted and understood may be being part of a cancer support group, Mm -hmm. because then you may get more emotional rest because you feel like you can just say it as it is without worrying about if other people are going to be upset by your words or you know, if you're dealing with something that is very just difficult and you're scared, you may not want to tell your children that because you, you, you're you trying to kind of keep that in for them. But that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be shared because mm-hmm. the emotional rest comes with you being able to just say it as it is. I'm scared in this moment. So who are those people that you can share that with? That's your social rest. Right? Mm. So actually what you're saying, we become emotionally exhausted sorry socially tired when and I guess emotionally because they're so tied it tied is when we're bottling things up that actually although we think I'm being strong it's actually by holding it in it's counterintuitive exactly there's a stress of having to act as if you're not feeling something assisting a feeling that really just needs to be processed And so the emotional rest is to be able to express those feelings, whether that's with a trusted friend, a pastor, or whether that's with a therapist or counselor, but having someone where you can just honestly state how you're feeling. The social rest part of that really requires you to take a look at the people in your life, because there are people in your life who you love dearly and who love you dearly, but the nature of the relationship is that they are constantly pulling from you socially. They need things from you. They expect things from you. They anticipate you doing different things. You need some people in your life who socially do not need anything from you, but who you just enjoy being around. And Mm. that's the social rest part of it. Yeah, such great advice because I feel like even the people closest to us, you know, our children, we need social rest from them because we do have to hold it all together and not necessarily not fall apart, but they need us. And that is our role. They are they are pulling from you socially. That is just, an, it doesn't make them bad people. It's the nature <laughs> of the relationship. Exactly. That's really helpful. So that resting socially might involve 
putting up some boundaries. Absolutely. (laughs) Almost always (laughs) you have to have some boundaries in place um, because otherwise no one really knows when they have overstepped their grounds. You know, the the thing with personally yourself being able to stay in a well-rested place is first you have to really understand what that even looks like for you. How much, how much people time can you deal with? How much are you able to pour yourself out into different situations before you get to the end of yourself? Because mm-hmm. that's what we find oftentimes with people who, as you state, try to hold it all in and be strong for everybody. And I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm scared or, or confused or I just don't know what to happen. And then what, what happens with that is you can only do that for so long before you get to the end of yourself. And then everybody's like, oh, she's doing so well. She's so strong and she's taking it so well. And then when you finally have no more strength to put that front up, it looks like they're they're in shock. They're like, what happened? You know, and they, I mean, honestly, as a physician, I see this oftentimes with people as they're coming into the healing phase of it. Mm -hmm. It's like they've held it in so long. And then their family's like, I don't know why they're so anxious and so depressed. It's like, we're getting good reports from the doctor. The cancer is shrinking, but yeah. it's the, they, there's only so much of you that can keep all of that together before it breaks. Mm-hmm. And so don't wait until you get to kind of the end of yourself. You have to, these, these restful things we're talking about are really just ongoing things that you can do small things along the process to keep you in a healthy place so that mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically, you stay at your best, even as your body's healing and going through the the treatment. Mm, Such, such good advice to do little and often rather than trying to, you know, sweep ourselves up off the floor once we've completely broken and crumbled at the end. And yes, I can attest to, you know, being strong until I wasn't. That is difficult. And I know for for many people, myself included, putting up boundaries can feel really hard work. But I think what I'm hearing is you saying the the benefit far outweighs the cost. I'm going to go and take a bath right now. It doesn't have to be some big, I can no longer have you in my life, you're draining me kind of conversation. It's just like, I need to go for a walk around the block on my own or I just need to go and lie down for 15 minutes while supper's cooking. Something simple. Is that right? That's very true. I have a friend who is currently walking through this cancer journey. And one thing that she sometimes will tell me is that she feels guilty when she wants to just go in the shower and cry. And I'm like, okay. You know, and she's like, well, my husband and and my, you know, friends, it's like they're they're always there and they're trying to do all these supportive things and they want to help me and they want to help me. And she's like, I just need a chance just to vent with God. It's like, I'm not crying because I'm having like pity party for myself. I just need to, I call them wet prayers. I need, I need a moment to have those wet prayers not be judged. That's a very powerful statement. And that's something that if you know that is helpful to you to be able to just have that conversation with God and let those wet prayers flow without feeling like, let me not cry because they're going to think I'm, you know, I'm upset or something's wrong with me. You have to have those boundaries because you know that's going to actually help you to function in this moment. Mm, I love that. And putting language around something like that can be really helpful and also kind of take the seriousness of it. And just saying to someone, you know, 
I just need to have a few wet prayers with God and I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to kind of just hang around and agree that it stinks right now. And I know I can get in my head about, oh, that's a really big conversation to have. But actually, when we launch in and, you know, we can have some language to it, it's not as big a deal as we make it up to be in our minds. So true. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay, so we've done emotional, social, physical. Oh, talk about spiritual rest. Yeah, spiritual rest. The way I look at it is it's really more about building that relationship and not so much focusing on the religion aspect of it. I think, you know, sometimes, particularly as believers, we get very kind of wrapped around the mindset of, oh, I need to do devotions and I need to read my Bible. And yes, you need to do all of those things. Those are all good things to do. But you don't want that to replace actually having a relationship. And so just having some time in your life where you are focusing on the intimacy building with God and just having that deeper level of relationship. That's really helpful. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, having a relationship with God and who are the people in my life who I I want to see on a continuous, regular basis. And I don't often say, I say, oh, I really want to see, you know, Jennifer. And I sometimes say I must get coffee with Jennifer, but the coffee is just the mode to sit down with her and see how she's doing and to hear, to have a a dialogue and to fuel each other in our lives. And actually, so the devotion, the Bible reading, the um, going to church are all great things, but they are the way we sit down with God, really. And so you just don't want to get to a point where you focus more on the activities, like let's say for devotion reading. You don't want to get to a point where it's more about the activity than it is about the person that you're doing the activity with. And in that case, with God. Mm, Yes, really helpful, really helpful. So, um, you know, when people are sitting down to read a devotion, to to read the Bible or whatever, it's, it's about saying, what are you saying to me through this God, rather than you know, have I, have I finished it (laughs) kind of thing? Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. That was really helpful. What else have we got to go? (laughs) Well, mental rest is one we haven't covered yet. And really, that's the one sometimes that can really affect your ability to sleep. Because if you're someone who lays down at night and your mind's kind of racing or running back to the situations that went on during the day, or you can't kind of turn your head off to get into a quiet space, then you may be needing more mental rest, more of the ability to be able to really quiet your thoughts and get your thoughts to focus on one thing. That can be very difficult, especially if there's something like a new stressor, like a new diagnosis with cancer. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes people will say, well, I can't stop thinking about, you know, the treatments or I can't stop thinking about if this is going to happen, you know, later on down the road or, or, or I can't stop thinking about my kids or what happens, you know, if I have to to have something go a surgery or something. So, you know, when you start having where your mind wants to kind of jump at whatever thought it can, then when you're trying to sleep, that's very difficult to get into deeper levels of sleep because your your brain is you're ruminating over these types of thoughts. It's going to think, well, this is information that's too important to sleep on because she's just thinking about it over and over again. So I must need to kind of hold on to whatever this information is. So it's important to start kind of helping your brain release information so that you can process it 
but not necessarily right as you're about to go to bed. So one, you know, really simple tactic can be doing what many call brain dumping or mind dumping. And that's just having a notepad or a piece of paper, it could be a journal, really whatever you want to write down whatever those ruminating thoughts are so that you don't have to try to process them right then and there in the moment. You can process them maybe during your devotional time or process them in a more appropriate time than when you're actually trying to go to sleep. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I've heard, I know when I've heard people do this and I did it, having just a notepad by your bed. So, you you know, you're like, oh, and I've done that for everything from I must buy potatoes to <laughs> I'm worried about, you know, I must remember to ask the doctor about this or, uh, you know, speak to my oncologist about this. So um, that's that's really helpful. Yeah, and it, you're exactly right. It works both ways. It works if you are the constant planner who's always thinking about your to-do list, get the to-do list out of your head onto something concrete. It also works if you're the constant worrier who is constantly going, kind of ruminating over thoughts and, oh, I felt the pain on my left side at 2 a.m. Write it down. That yeah. way, when your doctor asks you, how have you been? You don't say, fine. You know, <laughs> If there is something that's concerning to you, you have the ability to then share it. Mm, so helpful. So helpful. So we've got physical, emotional, social, mental, spiritual. We Too talked more. about sensory with the sensory. Keep, keep in mind with sensory, not just being in radiation, but just in your own home atmosphere, you know, the sensory input with, you know, what kind of sounds are in your house or does the TV playing and no one's watching? You know, I love praise music, but you don't necessarily need it playing 24 seven in your house. Your silence is something that's good for you. And it is helpful for your senses not to always have something coming at them. Um, just being mindful of even the brightness of your computer screens and whether or not you are consuming too much social media or too much news during those moments, or even what your notifications on your phone, your cell phones are doing, because, you know, you're already under stress just because of the newness of the diagnosis, the, the, the whole treatments, the situation, the doctor's appointments. There's a lot of new stressors in your life. So you want to eliminate as much excessive kind of sensory stress as possible. So if your cell phone, you know, is set up for high notifications and you find out about every Facebook post and every tweet, you may want to take those off for a while so that you're really just getting email, uh, not emails even, but you're really just getting text messages and phone calls on your phone so that if it beeps, you know, it is something important. It's somebody who has your direct contact trying to reach you. Yeah, that's great advice. And I don't know about how common this is, but I know that when I was going through chemo and dealing with the nausea and that sort of thing, I became quite taste and smell sensitive. And so there were certain tastes that I, you know, just didn't fancy. And there were smells that would make me feel quite nauseous. So I'm assuming that falls into this category of when you're bombarded with a smell that you might not, it might not make you feel nauseous, but it's just, I know, you know, there are some smells that now remind me of the chemo, you know, chair and the ward and, and everything. And so that feels an exhausting smell, even though I'm, I'm just smelling something. And so I'm assuming that being aware of those and maybe lighting a candle during when you're just sitting and resting can link that smell to rest or, you know, 
how mm-hmm. how these all combine to be a cumulative effect. Yeah, so your senses work both ways. There are some that can have kind of more of a calming effect and some that can be triggers is what you're describing. And yeah. so if there is a smell, like for a lot of people, lavender is a very common, you know, kind of calming type smell. And so if that's one that's calming for you and you find that every time you leave chemo that you're smelling, you know, something else that, that you know, maybe it's the smell of alcohol or, or who knows what the, you know, the, the betadine wipes that they clean everything with. Maybe there's some smell like that, that you're just like, oh, every time I smell that, I just, you know, you may want to consider that when you get back home, what is a counteractive, um, more restful smell for me that helps me to then relax? Well, honestly, for a lot of people, it can just be trying to clear the passages, taking a short walk, you know, going outside, doing some deep breathing, just, just smelling nature, so to speak, and allowing that to kind of reset everything just because you're kind of clearing out more of the chemical kind of medical type smells. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Just a deep breath of cold, fresh air is is wonderful. So we've got one more, <laughs> unless I've miscounted. Yes, you're right. Creative rest. And creative rest is the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to appreciate beauty in whatever form that is, whether it's natural beauty, like the mountains or the flowers or trees or the beach, or if it's man-made beauty like music or theater or artwork. And so I'll just understanding that whenever you are kind of having to solve problems or think outside of the box or learn new information and come up with new ways of doing things, you're using creative energy. And so it can be exhausting, you know, to try to recreate everything without experiencing some creative rest. And in those times when you are initially diagnosed, especially if there's a huge change to your day-to-day process, you know, some people, you know, some of my patients, we diagnose them. Yes, they may have to have a surgery. They have the surgery. They take out the mask. They don't have chemo. They don't have radiation. So the only downtime they had was whatever related to the surgery. A week or so, they're back at their normal lives. That person, you know, chances are, is going to bounce back very quick. Then I have someone else who, you know, can't have surgery because maybe they're in stage three or so. And so things are beyond where they can quickly just do surgery. So now we're going to do adjunct therapy with some radiation and chemo. And so now they're having to go into the, a medical facility every single day for, you know, 14 days or whatever it might be. And now we're going to have to do chemo treatments every three weeks for four hours in the chair, you know, plus lab, plus follow up, plus, 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 you know, all these different things. Now that person has a completely changed schedule, completely changed schedule. So you can't tell me they're not having to be creative because now their income is likely changed and they've got to creatively figure out how to do, do what they've been doing with what they probably have, which is less than what it was before because most disability insurances or, you know, short-term disability is not the co- the same amount you would get if you were working. So yeah. you're having to do what you always needed to do with less. Now you have to figure out, well, how do we get the kids if I'm in the chair and who's driving me home? And now we got to do this. Who's cooking dinner? And what are we going to do with this? And, and you're having to be creative, but we don't think about how do I restore that? Mm. How do I restore the drain that's being pulled on my ability to be innovative, think outside of the box, come up with solutions? solve problems because that's what you're doing during yeah. that time. Oh, I think we underestimate that. I know 
my life went from managing three kids. We had three kids between nine and 14. And I was, you know, carpool. I was kind of typical soccer mom, although none of them actually played soccer, but that's the life I was doing. And yes, I was thrown. I felt fit and healthy when I was diagnosed. And so I was thrown into this world of radiation every day for six weeks, then surgery, downtime for that, where I then had an ostomy bag and then chemo, as you said, for about six to eight months. Then I had to wait. Then I had to have surgery again and the reversal. And, and yeah, so my, our whole lives were upended and completely shifted. And, and so negating some of the impact of that creative drain on us, having someone say, you know, I will take your carpal roster for you and I will figure it out for you, um, mm-hmm. which somebody did for me on one of my carpals was, was just fantastic. It was like, I have no idea who's picking you up today, son, but somebody will be here because <laughs> Bob figured it out. And they were at an age where I could do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we underestimate all the different ways, including this creative that we are draining and depleting our reserves. And I just want to kind of circle all the way back around to that picture of just saying, I just, if I could just sleep. And it's like, well, then even if we get, you know, three days of continuous sleep, deep restorative sleep, that's just a 14th of the rest we might actually need. And so I hope everyone listening is kind of breathing a sigh of relief and feeling not so bad about feeling so tired and exhausted and weary and actually now um, can say, oh, this thing is the bit that's draining me. I'm starting to get a picture of where I'm most vulnerable to getting exhausted and what I can do about it and how I can move forward in a way that's not going to continuously keep draining the reserves. And that's when you mentioned about the rest quiz. That really where that came from. Most of the time when people hear, you know, there's seven types of rest, it's like, I'm tired already. Now she's giving me seven (laughs) things I've got to do. But, you know, the reality is most of us, we're naturally doing some of these things because our bodies demanded it. We we figured some of these things out just because we had to figure it out to keep surviving and thriving. But oftentimes there's one or two of these types of rest that are actively draining you that you either never heard of or never really thought about replacing and replenishing in your life. And so that's where the restquiz.com comes into play, because then you can do the assessment, find out which of the seven types of rest you're most likely to be deficient in. And then you focus your attention on the one or two that you're having the deficit in, because then you'll start feeling better. You're actually correcting the rest deficit that's actually making you feel depleted all the time. Ah, so good. And so, like you say, it sounds exhausting just with these seven types. So how long is that quiz going to take us, Dr. Sandra? Is it like a... It's not a quick quiz. No, it's more, I always say, consider it more like the strength finders quiz. (laughs) It takes about five minutes and it's five minutes if you just process through it. What I find is there's always those people who overanalyze the quiz and they're like staring at the questions and they're like, it's like, just answer the question. <laughs> I'm always like, it depends. It depends. Just answer the question. 
So just go through rapid fire and it either describes you, doesn't describe you, or you're like, ah, kind of, and you just do the middle one, but you go through it, answer it, and then you'll get an assessment that'll say, you know, you have a 35 in this one and a 10 in the other one. The higher the score, the more the deficit, the more you need rest in that area. And so then you can pay attention to if Let's say if it comes back that you're needing more spiritual rest. Well, you're spending plenty of time in devotion. But as you stated, when you sit down with your friend, it's not about the coffee. It's about the person. So now can you refocus your devotional time where you're focusing your attention on your relationship with God and not so much about the studying of the word? Mm, so good. So people can and should, I would highly recommend it. Go to therestquiz.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we'll I'll put that link underneath this talk so you'll be able, people will be able to find it. But also I want to recommend your book, Dr. Sandra, Sandra, Sacred Rest, because this unpacks it even more, doesn't it? It does. The book is basically a story of how I recovered my own life from burnout and exhaustion and how I've helped a lot of other people do the same through understanding these seven types of rest, being able to recognize when they're at risk for having a rest deficit in one of the seven areas, and then looking at some specific things they can do. We shared a couple of examples here, but, you know, and obviously in the book, I go through a lot more examples because everybody experiences rest differently. And so I think it was important to have many different ways you can get rest in all the different areas so that you can kind of try some things and see what really works for you. Mm, So helpful. So helpful. And, you know, this is, you know, trusting God through can, uh, through cancer. And, you know, he is a God who refreshes, restores and redeems and wants to bring rest and sit with us in our rest and calls us away and says, come, come with me and let's rest for a while. And so we can do this as part of, uh, yeah, of just moving forward with God and not doing this cancer journey alone. So, As we wrap up, I hope everyone watching is feeling um, encouraged that their tiredness is, is, I want to, I want to say is, is manageable, but it's more than manageable. You know, you can get untired (laughs) and you can feel so much better when you identify what is going to give you the most disproportionate benefit in finding rest. And with uh, Dr. Sandra's quiz, the rest quiz, you'll be able to find what that is for you and come through your cancer journey, not just running on fumes, but actually, you know, being able to enjoy the good parts of it and manage the harder parts. So Dr. Sandra, thank you so much for taking time with us today at the Trusting God Through Cancer Summit. That's my pleasure. You've been listening to Chemo Chair Prayers with me, Nikki Hardy. And I always say that thriving is a team sport. You can always find me and leave a comment on the Chemo Chair Prayers website, chemochairprayers.com. And that's also where you can download a copy of your own trust-guided prayer format bookmark. If you've enjoyed Chemo Chair Prayers, please recommend it to a friend, your cancer support group, or maybe forward it to your pastoral care team who might be looking for resources for those with cancer. And then why not hit subscribe and leave a five-star review? Not only will that ensure that you get the next episode when it airs, but your review will mean that others journeying through cancer will be able to find chemo chair prayers more easily. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.